So many souls have tested him throughout the course of time. So many still reach out to him with broken parts and minds. And every one of them will say, without exception, that they find Jesus never fails. Even in the days of old, he brought his Lord. I want to talk to you about a subject now. I want, I want to preamble this. A preacher preambles something, you ought to have a little alarm system go off. But uh, I'm going to preamble this a little bit. This message is, there's a lot of hard information in this message. And if you're not used to Bible preaching, you don't go to church a lot, you may say, wow, whew. But you don't judge uh, the Bible on one sermon, you don't judge God on one sitting. But I am bringing out a portion of Scripture today that is too seldom, too seldom preached on. And too seldom talked about. And if you take your Bibles to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 3, the, 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 passage, the, the, the message may get a little negative for you, but it'll end positively, trust me. But we have to do the first part to get to the second part. And God will bless it, I know. In verse 9 of chapter 3, basically it describes man. It says, what then, in verse 9, are we better than they? And no one, no wise. We have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that all, that they are all under sin. Now, you can stop there and we go home. There's nobody that's not under sin. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. How many times I have repeated that verse? Thousands and thousands of times I've repeated that verse to people. There's none righteous, no, not one. Why would I have to say that? To me, that's obvious, right? If you say, Bill, have you ever sinned? I go, you got to be kidding me. Are you ki I, I got a bookload of sin. Uh, thoughts and deeds and intentions and motives have been outside of God's parameters. Uh, and so that would, but yet I've had people tell me, well, I don't, I don't feel I've done all that much wrong. Well, let's, let's go on. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all going out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Man, if that doesn't close the door on I think I'm going to get to heaven because I've done some good things, I think that should close the door on that. And it goes on in more of a specific description. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that, that every mouth may be stopped. And I notice this last sentence. And the whole and all the world 
may become guilty before God. I want to talk to you a little bit about your standing before God today. It's so important that you get this. It's so important that you allow yourself to listen to this, that you don't miss this. I believe your eternal destiny is, is on, is on uh, the, the very understanding of what I'm going to speak about in 30 minutes here, right out of the Word of God. A lot of Bible in this path. I'm, I'm going to read more Bible out of this message than I normally do. Why? Because we're Bible-preaching church, and the Bible's where we get our information. And so take it for what it is, meditate on it, and see if God doesn't help you see it. What is what the Bible calls the curse, the curse? People talk about the curse, the curse. We're under a curse. Well, most of you know about the second law of thermodynamics. According to science, the observation, and that's what science is, by the way, it's observation of facts. And in their observation of facts, they said everything that we can see is running down. That's called the second law of thermodynamics. And it is, uh, there's another thing we talk about. It was called Murphy's Law. How many have had Murphy stick with them a whole day, man? You motorcycle people. If you leave that motorcycle alone, does it get better? No. You leave that motorcycle long enough, it won't run. Brother Moon, the leader of the pack this morning, gets out to start his motorcycle. Uh-oh. He calls me up and says, I'm going to be late for bus meeting because I'm charging my battery. So some of you people, I hope you have a jumper with you because you may need a jumper out there to, at the uh, red uh, log cabin out there. But after he eats, he don't care. Some of you have heard of a, of a mother's curse. I actually have received the mother's curse. I am a recipient of a mother's curse. My mother, I irritated my mother so badly. Can you imagine that? I irritated my mother so badly in growing up that one day she looked at me, she stopped, and she says, I hope that you grow up and that you get married and that you have kids. And they act just like you. That's one of the reasons I only had one child. I was afraid. The curse, whether you believe in it or don't believe in it, God has placed a curse on this old world. He's placed a curse on you and me. It goes all the way back to the garden and the account of Adam and Eve, and you know they had the ability to walk around, enjoy everything, phenomenal. No, no second law of thermodynamics, no mother's curse, no. Everything was good. And she fell, and, and he fell to temptation. And, and because of that sin, it passed down upon everybody after them. Sin is a process of destruction. Everyone in this room should hate sin. Instead of coddle it, instead of treat it like it's your buddy, instead of, instead of favor it, if you understand the results of sin, nobody would like it. By sin comes death. Death is not an act, it's a process. 
It is separating you from everything that's good. God is, by definition, good. By definition, he's all beauty. And what death does and will do is separate us, if we don't deal with it, between here and death, through Jesus Christ, it will separate a person from everything good and beautiful. Nobody would, in their right mind would want that. The curse of God is why we have sickness. Man, I've been sick. I caught the flu for a couple of weeks. Death, misery, heartache, suffering, deformities, blindness, cancer, disease, violence, crime, poverty, child abuse, spousal abuse, rape, war, on and on the list could go. Why is all of that? It's because of the presence of sin and the curse written in sin. The sins we commit due to this curse are being written down in a book someday to testify against us. If you think flash drive is a fancy, and if you think uh, a hard drive is fancy, God's got a, a much bigger and faster computer system than man ever dreamt of. He says that he is recording. Uh, if you, if you don't, need, I'm going to go to a lot of verses. You probably don't want to take your Bible. Let me read it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 26, or, uh, 36, 37 says, By saying to you that every idle word that men shall speak shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. There's no way that can happen unless God's recording it. Everything you've whispered in the closet, God's going says is being recorded. Here at Gospel Baptist, I just want to forewarn you, there's cameras everywhere, and they have tremendous microphones. We can hear you whisper. Oh, Brother Bill, you should have told that to me before I got here today. There are none, these are not in our bathrooms because it's not legal. But everywhere it is legal, they're there. There's one there. There's one there. And they, they pick up, they pick up uh, uh, the slightest little sound. Now, that shouldn't change my behavior. But when I'm thinking of saying something bad about Gillespie, I look at that camera and go, that'll be on the Internet. That'll be on YouTube. But Jesus said, these are Jesus' words, by the way, Matthew 12, verse 36, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, does that not put a little fear in you? I have said some horrible things. I have said some cruel things. I have said some arrogant, self-righteous, uh, self-exalting, condemning, wicked things. And God recorded them. He recorded them. We will one day, this is a fact, we will one day face our God. You say, I don't have a God. You, gotta, you have a God. You don't have to believe in it. He made you. It is what it is. And someday you're going to face him. And you say, I don't believe him. You will. You will. Best to believe in him now through Jesus Christ than to have to see him one day. That's what this whole thing's about. And so you're going to face God and give an account for everything you've done in your body, whether it be good or bad. Romans chapter 2, verse 5 says, 
But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? Now, I'm purposefully slowing down and reading some of this. I want you to get it. Who will render to every man? Well, there's, a, there's a promise in the Bible that people don't quote. That what you sow, you will reap. Now, you say, well, Brother Bill, you're dying. There's many of you are in your seats saying, die. But, but what about Jesus? That's the last part of the sermon. Don't get ahead of me. I'm preparing a table here. We will actually see this process happening in the future. It's recorded in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. I have had people tell me with some convincing demeanor that when you die, you cease to exist. All I can say is I don't know where they learned that, but the Bible does not say that. The Bible says, and, and really in, in the still of the night, you know better. Because God has written on your conscience. It says the things of God in Romans chapter 1 are clearly seen. God has shown it to you by what he's made. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth forth his handiwork. God, by what he's made, is screaming at you that he's here, he exists. And in your quiet time, you know it's so. You know it's so. Even the atheist knows it's so. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. What? I don't think it's uh, quick books, but... Uh, the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You may say, Brother Bill, I'm not under any curse. I've been pretty good. I've tried to help people. Well, I've had old ladies cross the street, whether they like it or not. I've been a good citizen. I paid my taxes. I've never murdered anybody. Well, maybe I've murdered one. But I mean, you know. People will come to me and say all that stuff, trying to list their good works. The problem is you may have a list of things you consider good, but it will not undo one bad thing. Tell me how you're going to undo the bad. You tell me how you're going to do that. Well, I've done this, done that. Well, how are you going to undo the bad? Because you know you have. Now, take your Bibles real quickly. If you have them, if you don't, fine. You just hang in there. I'm going to run through some quick verses. These are a couple chapters that are almost never read in church. Almost never read. These are almost the forbidden chapters. That ought to tweak you a little. It's Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy, fifth chapter. It's the Law of Moses. Law of Moses, called the Pentateuch. Wow, it's one of the oldest recorded. Uh, 3,500 plus years old. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 15. I'm going to do a few verses. I'm not doing the whole thing, but I'm doing enough, more than I normally do, because I'm, I'm looking here. I'm trying to build something here in your mind and convince you carefully from the Scriptures to, so that you don't think it's just this, this red-faced Baptist preacher uh, that got you here trying to convince you of this. This is the book. With all my heart this morning, I'm trying to tell you this is what it is. Whatever anybody else may say, they got to go back to this. And in, in 2517, 
Moses, Deuteronomy is called the second law. It reviews what's found in Exodus, Leviticus, and it reviews it and condenses it on what's going on with the children of Israel. And he basically says, if you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to bless you. And there's a section there on the blessings that God will do for those who, who, will, who will follow him. I'm not reading them because that's not what the point is this morning. But it also says, for you, if you folks that don't believe in me and reject me and don't want to do what I say and don't want to pay attention to me, here's what. Now, he's talking to his children. I know in context he's talking to the children of Israel. He says, cursed is the man, verse 15, cursed is the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and put it in a secret place, and all the people shall say, okay, let's do that. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or mother. When I do, okay, look at me here. We're going we're gonna, when I do this, that means you say amen. Amen. We're going We're just practicing now. It was just practice. Okay, we're going to do this for real now. Setteth light by his father or mother? Who in this room hasn't spoken against your father? What, what? I like that. I like that. I should have done this before. Okay, you guys are you guys are sharp out there. Curses. Who hasn't set light by his father or mother? That means just respect your mom and dad. Woo. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. Cursed is he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife. Or I, I didn't finish that. Uncovereth his father's skirt. Wow. Cursed, in verse 21, 27, 21. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast. You say, this is kinky. That's because people do this. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister and the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly. That means you put a hit on him. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. Let's go to chapter 28, verse 15. But it shall come to pass that if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God and observe to do all the commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy land. The increase of thy kind, that's cattle, and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shall be thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee, and overtake thee, till thou be destroyed. 
because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded thee. Where is the Aztec today? Where is the Mayan today? Where is the Inca today? Where are the Babylonians today? Where are the Medo-Persians today? Where are the Greeks today? Where are the Roman Empire? Where are all 600 years? Where are they today? Societies have come up, violated God's word, gotten debauched, and he cursed them. And they disappear from the scene. And the United States of America is no better. One thing was so important about this election, in my soul and in so many preachers across the country, we believe this was the turning point of whether we were going to go down the way of all those nations I just mentioned to you or whether God was going to give us a little respite and a little mercy, and he did. God curses the proud. In Psalm 119, 21, it said, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed. In Proverbs 3, 33, it says, Cursed, curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 7, verse 11, he says, God is angry with the wicked every day. You say, Brother Bill, now this is just not the love and peaches that I hear in so many places. The Bible is full of love. But you can't ignore this part of it either. It's not right to just favor what you like and throw out what you don't like. You've got to read the entire Word of God, the whole teaching of the Bible to get an understanding of who God is. The anger is finally demonstrated by God ultimately at what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. The Bible calls those who have rejected him and rejected his son cursed children in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 14. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 He's called them children of disobedience. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, for those who reject Christ, he calls them children of wrath. There is going to be a tribunal, tribunal that will stand before that you'll stand before and I will stand before someday, either to be condemned by what? by my actions and by my words and by things that have been recorded that I've done. Or, and by the way, if you make that judgment called the great white throne judgment, the end of that is called the lake of fire, which is a thing forever and ever. Or you'll stand before Jesus Christ at the Bema seat and be able to claim faith in Jesus and salvation by His mercy and grace, and have all of the sins you've committed put upon Jesus. The choice is yours. You can, see, the choice is not whether you've sinned or not. You've already sinned. There's not anybody in the sound of my voice, whether this go over the internet and go all over the world. won't make any difference. I can, I can safely say and confidently say, if you're old enough to listen to this and, and 
and have cognizance enough to understand some of the words I'm speaking, you've sinned against God. I had to, when Troy was small, I threw a temper tantrum, six weeks old. Six weeks old, threw a willful temper tantrum. I mean, who taught your kid to lie? Who, who taught your kid to steal? Who, who taught your kid to do lustful things? You know what's in them. It's in them. It's birthed in them. Paul, the Bible calls it the evil nature, the carnal nature. That's the curse we talk about. That's come down from Adam all the way down to me and all the way down to you. We don't have to learn to do wrong. We are fraught and filled with wrong. It's easy to do wrong. It's natural to do wrong. But the Bible says that someday everybody's going to have to answer for the wrong for the deeds they've done in their body, whether they be good or bad. The question is, are you going to stand before Jesus and allow him to take your sin and pay for it justly before God Almighty? Or are you going to stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment and assume responsibility for everything you've said, everything you've thought, everything you've whispered in secret? I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to be at the great white throne. I don't want to be. What can be done? If you find yourself condemned by God, what can be done? Well, first of all, understand that the standard, the standard, God's standard to be allowed to go into heaven is sinlessness. Why? Because Look at sin as if it is an extremely corrosive and corruptive element. If you allow the least bit of sin, it's like allowing a pandemic virus among you folks. It could take one person with a, with a pandemic virus and put them in this group and it would just spread like wildfire. Sin knows no limits. I mean, look at the, what we read there in Deuteronomy chapter 27, 28. Some of that stuff hasn't really come across my mind. And yet, you know it's there because people do it. Oh, they do it when nobody's seeing. They do it when nobody else knows about it, but they do it. And if they don't do it, they think about doing it or meditate about doing it. Wow. There's no depths to it. Sin will take, uh, take you, uh, keep you longer than you want to stay. Take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you ever want to pay. The standard is perfection. Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. He says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. God the Father cannot allow one sin to enter into the new world, new heaven and new earth, new heaven. It can't do it. If it did, it would corrupt what God has up there because God, in him is no sin. And it, there's no corruption. There's no curse in him. And the, the, the dilemma is, how can a sinful creature like me ever spend any time with God? I mean, the way I am, something's got to change, amen? Something's got to move. Something's got to change. God's made that provision. Praise the Lord. He did. You can't barter. You can't buy. You can't bribe God. 
You don't have enough to bribe. You don't have enough to barter. And once you violated his laws and the curse has been placed upon you, you have no ability to go back and undo it. Hey, have you not been sorry for some of the things you've done? But you can't change them. The best you're going to be able to do is say, Nick, I'm sorry I talked bad about you. That's the best I'm going to be able to do. But I can't go and undo anything I've said. Of course, I've never said anything bad about my captain. Well, I'll take that back. But you can't undo it. And so I, like you, my deeds that, I, that there were, have been done in this body, some they have to be reckoned with. They have to be paid for. Otherwise, God's not just. And you know, he's like the Ninth Circuit Court. I had to throw that in there. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law... Are under the curse. For it is written, Curses everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the law. Wow. You mean to tell me a violation of one thing makes me guilty of all? Yes. It's like this. As soon as you violate, uh, as soon as you steal a paper clip at work, you join the, the fraternity of thieves. Now, I, I admit, it's not the same as the Barrow gang. Clyde Barrows. And no, he's not related. I hope. But it's not the same. There's differences of degrees of sin. There's, there's degrees that people commit sin. Adolf Hitler has a degree of sin that most people don't because of the killing of some 13 million people. But everybody has probably at one time or another hated somebody, which the Bible Jesus said is murder in your hearts where it all starts. So to enter curses, everyone has not committed. So you say, well, I'm trying to keep the law. I'm trying to be good. Nine out of ten people I go to door to door. Through all these 45 years, nine out of ten people, when I say, if you died, where would you go, heaven or hell? And they say, heaven. I said, one follow-up question is, why would you go to heaven? Nine out of ten. I say, why would you go to heaven? They say, I've tried to be good. They're trying to keep the law. They're trying to keep the rules. Well, I said, how have you done? Well, nobody says 100%. No, I, nobody in their right mind says, I've kept every rule. I've kept every law. I've done a perfect job. No, nobody's going to tell you. Like Jesus said, the standard is perfect to get into heaven. The standard to get in heaven is sinless. The standard to get into heaven is to keep all the law, the whole law. Nobody's done that. The reason that God gave the law was to show you that you're not able to keep it and to show you that you need something more than the law, which is Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son but whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One way and the only way you're going to make it into heaven is to trust what Jesus has already done for you. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse 
of the law. There's that curse again. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So Jesus Christ, when he came here in the form of man, being made like a servant, uh, he wasn't, didn't come as a king. He came as a servant, lowly and humble. And he lived a life without sin, healed people, did nothing but good, did good unto all men around him. He, he claimed who he was. Because he claimed who he was, they crucified him. They scourged him through the Romans. They, they hung him up in a public road, stripped him naked. After they scourged him and after they spit upon him and after they mocked him every way you could mock a human being, after they said, if you're the Son of God, bring yourself down and everything, they hung him up on that old cross, and he hung on that cross to the place he said, it is finished. What was that? If you look the word up, it's, it's a legal term. The price has been paid. Have you ever paid off a mortgage? Have you ever paid off a car? Some of you say, no. Well, praise God, someday you will. They stamp it, paid. And, and don't you let them get by without stamping that thing, paid. I want the paper. Paid. When Jesus Christ finished hanging on that cross, he satisfied all the wrath that my sin required and your sin required, and he, he said, it is finished. It is paid. Jesus Christ became the curse for me. Something I could never earn, never deserved. And he offers it to me as a free gift. Wow, wow. He offers me freedom from sin, the, the penalty of sin, as a free gift. Who in the world? would not receive that and say, yes, I need that. I need that. From what you've read today, I need that, preacher. Yes, you do. You need it. The Bible says in Galatians 4, 4, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them, that's to buy you back, to redeem them under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Oh, dear one, dear one. Have you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? Now, you know, I'm not talking about intellectual sin. I'm not, I'm not talking about just saying, yeah, I believe there was a man, his name was Jesus, and yeah, I receive him, and now I bought a life insurance policy, I'm going to go live like I want to live. People that trust Christ as their personal Savior, it's a real deal. It's a, Jesus said it's a new birth, being born again. You know birth is radical. By the very nature, birth's radical. And when you get saved, radical things change in your life. I don't mean you become perfect because there's nobody that's born again on this side of death is yet walking in absolute perfection. But by the grace of God, we're covered in his mercy and his grace and our sins are under his blood and have been paid for and substituted for by him. Now, when I stand before God, and I will stand before God, and those books of, of my deeds will be recorded. But the difference is that those evil things that I have done and said and thought will be placed under the blood of Jesus Christ. And just like at Calvary when he said paid, I don't know if they're going to say this then, but it will be paid for. What's my reaction to that? Gratitude. Gratitude. Man, am I grateful. I'm grateful some preacher told me about this. 
I'm grateful that somebody cared about me enough to show me this. Man, am I grateful that somebody took the time to explain this to me one day. And when I finally saw it, I said, man, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. Wow. How about you? I like in Revelation 22.3 where it says, and there shall be no more curse. The throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. How in the world are you going to make it when you stand before God? Without Jesus, you won't make it. And you've been warned right now. Why? Because God loves you. Man, any, anybody that cares about somebody warns them when something bad's about to happen. Hey, hurricanes are coming. Man, you got these weather stations all over this place warning us here in South Florida. Woo, we got a big hurricane coming. Oh, it's a force three. Oh, it's a force four. It's a force five. It just hit Miami. It warns us. I go put up these, these shutters on my windows. And you know, put all, all, and I go help other people put shutters up. Why? Because people that love you warn you. They warn you if something bad's coming. And I can tell you this that someday that every human being that's ever been born is going to stand before their creator that made them and give an account in their body of everything they've said, thought, or done, whether it be good or bad. Where will you fit in on that? I'm not asking this morning to become a Baptist, I'm not asking to get baptized. I'm not asking you to join a denomination or, or be religious, God forbid. I'm asking you, will you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you believe that Jesus did come, that he was crucified, that he died, and most importantly, the third day he was resurrected? And that was why you say, what's so important about resurrection? Well, it's important because that was God, the Father, of all the false people out there says, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. All these false religions saying, I'm the Christ. The only one resurrected Jesus Christ. Buddha's in the grave. Muhammad's in the grave. Every religion out there is in the grave. Jesus is the only one been resurrected. Over 500 witnesses saw him at one time. You believe? I hope so. Father, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would take the uh, imperfect words that I spoke, but take the perfect word that I quoted, the Word of God, and cause it to bring forth fruit. There will be some in this that are in jeopardy. They're in jeopardy. They've never trusted Christ as their personal Savior. They've never called out to Jesus for mercy, that he would be their substitute. May they this morning say, yes, yes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and I don't do this very often, let me, let me just say this. If you're willing to trust Christ as your Savior this morning, and you mean it with all your heart, and nobody knows your inner thought, the chamber of your imagery, your mind, but I'm talking to you. And you'll say, Brother Bill, I believe Jesus died. I believe he is who he said he was, God's Son. I now want to trust Jesus as my personal Savior. A simple childlike prayer is, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, unable to save myself by any good works. I believe that you are who you said you are, the Son of God. I believe you came, 
He died upon that old rugged cross, and the third day were resurrected. I believe with all my heart, whatever little faith I have, I put it on the salvation purchase for me there. Save me in Jesus' name. If you did that and mean it, and it's in your heart, you'll know it because your life will change. Your value system will begin to change. Your direction will begin to change. You'll want to know the Bible. Father, help them to make that decision today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.